Welcome to the podcast, Meet My Potential, where Deepa chats with leaders around the world once a week or simply shares her insights. This podcast is for those who aspire to meet their highest inner potential. Each episode brings you one simple tool that you can apply at work or in life. Hello, and welcome to this episode on What Engages People? We have with us today, Kathy Baltonsik. She lives in Boston, and Kathy in the past worked in financial services for 18 years and is now working full-time to inspire people to truly live their life. Welcome, Kathy. Thank you, Deepa. I'm glad to be here. Kathy, before we get into what engages people and get into the subject, I know on September 11th, you were in the World Trade Center and that changed your life. Tell us a little bit about it before we get into the episode. So as you said, I was in the North Tower, which was the first tower to be hit. I am here, so clearly was able to get out. But what I was left with was that it's not a cliche, that life is short, and that we don't know what's happening, never mind tomorrow, what's happening an hour from now. And what it woke up in me, Deepa, was a just burning desire to have meaning in my life and to ensure that what I was doing every day felt amazing, felt passionate, and felt like it had the ability or, or that I had the ability to touch other people with that and see if I could inspire others. Excellent. So thank you for getting on this mission to inspire others. So what engages people? Yeah, it's such a big question and something that, as you know, from our previous conversations, I think about all the time, actually play with all the time, almost like a scientist to see the impact. But in a way, it's so simple. And when we speak authentically, when we speak from passion, when we're not speaking from ego, but rather from our unique selves, our unique view of the world, then we're beginning to create engagement. So what we're not doing in those times is trying to prove something or win something or be better at something. In fact, again, if we bring it back down to the basics, we're not comparing ourselves to someone else or even to ourselves or to some standard that maybe we've set out there. We're really continually checking back in. How am I feeling? How am I doing? And while that may sound like, well, wait, you just asked me how I engage with others. Well, I actually can't engage with others until I feel fully engaged with myself. It sounds like it's a very clean space where you come from, a clean space without any masks, a clean space without any of those sometimes negative voices in our head, a clean space of not trying to conquer anyone, as you just said, but just truly talking about our passion and connecting with people from there. Yeah, and I love where you're pointing, a uh, clean space. It's actually a very messy space. <laughs> um, <laughs> Tell me how so. And our goal is to stay connected to, to feel the messiness of the space. Maybe I am feeling nervous. Maybe you're feeling nervous. Maybe I'm noticing tension in the space. And to be committed to returning to that clean space but I can't get there unless I say, wow, 
feeling tense right now or gosh, I'm feeling anger right now. Whatever it is I'm feeling is preventing me from getting to that clean space that you just talked about. So unless I can see these little, I'm picturing sort of obstacles along the way, uh, maybe in a video game, these are asteroids coming at me. (laughs) And rather than just let them come at me and figure I can conquer all of them, it's more about, oh, look at that one. What's that one? Ooh, what's this one now? Naming it, not even have to be right about naming it, but just naming it so that I can continue to come back to this authentic place that is me. And it's uniquely me because I'm the only one of me out there. (laughs) So maybe if we give a little example of how we create separation, then all this will become a bit more clear. Yeah. So um, again, we do it in, I believe, I do, I believe that none of us are out there to create separation. Maybe on a bad day we are, but genuinely we are out there. Humans are wired to create connection with each other. We are tribal beings. It's how we survive. We don't survive alone. We survive with each other. So maybe some pretty basic examples are you're sitting in a meeting and When we hear people saying things like, well, I read X, Y, Z, and it is all about this, you know, that's, that's me coming from my head and I'm trying to prove a point. Right. And I'm probably not connecting it to what the poor person who just spoke before me said. I'm not talking about what I've learned. I'm talking about what I read. So I'm representing someone else's point of view. I'm not saying it's not worthy to bring in other perspectives, learnings that I have. But if I keep them separate from me, then I am separate from me. And therefore, it's pretty tricky, pretty difficult to connect to other people. So that's coming from my ego. It's coming from this need to be better, stronger, faster, more correct. You hear it all the times in meetings when someone, you can see it. They're just waiting for me to stop speaking so that they can say that piece that they believe is the right thing to say. (laughs) So they cut me off and then they don't connect to what I say. (laughs) You're laughing. (laughs) Yes, because uh, I've seen that so often. I worked in the IT industry for many years and now I consult Mm -hmm. and coach there and I've been in meetings where I was an observer and I had to give the executives feedback. And I remember three of them, one person said, oh, uh, big data in my company, we can process so much amount of data and the size of the server and storage is, is this and this. And someone else spoke about another technology. And it was like, boom, boom, boom. Each one is trying to make a score. Yes. Exactly. Goal! (laughs) And you can almost picture them putting hash marks in columns. Have I said the brilliant thing of the day? Have I said the most brilliant thing? And in that, you can hear, I'm beginning to compare. Right. What's the next smartest thing that I can say? Exactly. And if that's where my mind is, yeah. guess where it's not? It's not on the other people in the room. And therefore, I'm creating separation and not connection. Got it. So while these conversations on the surface, it looks like it's going somewhere because there's so much information and so much valuable data that's exchanged. 
And at the same time, when you walk out of such discussions, there's no connection between the people. That's right. Because we're not connecting with the people, we're connecting with a thing, whether that thing is saying, like you said, a score. Mm -hmm. We are stuck in our ego and comparing ourselves to others. Got it. And when we're comparing and trying to be the best, better, brilliant, there's no way we're connecting with others. Yeah, I can see how that comes in the way. So then it's kind of perhaps a naive question. And after all these years, I'm asking this question. So how do we actually create connection then? Yeah, I love that question because uh, it's one of those things that is common sense and not common practice, right? So it sounds simple, but it's not easy to do because in the real workplace, we often are measured by what we do, right? So we have all sorts of metrics out there. We have KPIs, we have our performance measurement plans, and we need to prove ourselves worthy of not only keeping our jobs, but maybe even getting a promotion or a salary increase. So we're getting mixed signals every day in the workplace. Well, it is what you do and not who you are. So in that world, it's not easy to create connection. And again, I'm going to point us back to starting with ourselves, mm-hmm. with feeling our feelings. It's not about overcoming them, but it's about integrating them. I am a whole person. I'd like to say warts and all, right? <laughs> I'm not perfect. And the day that I can be okay with that about myself, I make mistakes. I need help. Asking for help is one of the easiest, fastest ways to making connection. So how do you feel if I say, Deepa, I'm stuck right now. I could use your help. Hmm. You open a door within you. Yeah. And I feel like there is place for me to support you in your life, Yeah. in your work. And when you show up as someone very strong and independent, not needing anyone, smart, brilliant, even though you are smart and brilliant, but if you don't ask for help and if you don't share your feelings, it kind of creates a wall between us. It's like, there's no place for me. That's right. That's right. One of my favorite ways of looking at this is that the cracks in oh, us yes. <laughs> might get in. If I come with this Kevlar shield, I'm actually not only <laughs> creating separation, I'm sending off a message, as you said, go away. I don't need you. I have everything that I need. And wow, how do you connect to that? So we need the cracks to allow light to come in. And we need cracks to allow other people to come in. And that's how we connect. Yes. And so I can't make myself vulnerable with those cracks unless I have compassion for myself, compassion for you, full acceptance, even joy that I cannot do this alone. That's a very important point when you talk about compassion. I need to have compassion for myself because uh, very often we're in this action-paced, problem-solving world. We're so focused on the data channel. We're so focused on analyzing, solving problems that we believe that if we allow emotions to come in, then we won't make the right choices and the choices and those decisions will become emotional. And therefore, we shut off that emotional channel and stop us from feeling 
very often in the workplace. Exactly. We, we get told, don't be emotional. I mean, I'm a pretty emotional person. It took me a long time to be able to sit in a really tough meeting and not show emotion. But guess what I was doing that whole time? I was completely separate from everything going on. I can remember there would be whole little small conversations that I would miss because I was so focused on not feeling my feelings. Can you give an example? Yeah, sure. Um, Well, I got feedback early on. So I was on a senior leadership team, the only woman. And I got feedback from my boss, who was a wonderful human being. But he basically said, you are not a good poker player. You show your emotions. You cannot show your emotions in these senior meetings. And I thought, hmm, I'm not sure I know how to do that. (laughs) So I would, when I started to feel emotional, and it was typically because something was going wrong that I had responsibility for, but there was no place for that to happen because that's showing weakness, right? And we are not weak. We are strong. (laughs) And so I would, I knew I had such a strong message, Kathy, don't be emotional, that I would literally write on my notepad, uh, stay strong, don't show emotions. Like I would write myself notes. And now I might have missed something very important that was said in the meeting, all because I was trying to not show an emotion. What I know now is I could have said, even just to myself, I don't need to say it in the meeting. Okay. You're okay. You are feeling stress right now. You're feeling tension. You're feeling responsible. That's okay. Feel those things. Bring them into whatever it is you want, the point you want to make right now, and go from that place. Got it. So if you were allowed to express your emotions in that meeting, what would that have looked like? Yeah, it might have sounded something like, wow, I'm noticing that I feel triggered right now. I'm noticing that I'm feeling tension. Can we pause and talk about that? Right. And that creates connection. Yeah. (laughs) People look at you then like a human being and not a human doing. Well, and imagine the permission I just gave everyone else in the room without doing it for that. But imagine if, because I will promise you at least two or three other people are feeling the same thing. And now I've just said, given you permission to say, wow, I'm also feeling tension. Can we pause the plan for a moment and just talk about where we are as a team right now? There are a couple of underlying assumptions here. One of them being that if I show my emotions, I'm weak. And another assumption is if I get into an emotional discussion, we're going to end up crying or it's, we're not going to get anywhere. We're not going to get anything done. A hundred percent. And it's, I would love to assert that it's the exact opposite, that we aren't going to get anything done while this ball of energetic emotion is sitting in the room between all of us. It's preventing us from feeling the connection that we need in order to move forward. Kathy, you've done the same course on immunity change as I have. And uh, what they say in immunity change is when you have an assumption, go test your assumption to see if that assumption is valid or not. And I'd like to point out to the audience that if you also have an assumption that if you name your emotions in a meeting, then you are not going to get anywhere. Here's what we have for you. 
go test it, go try it out. Maybe in a meeting, that's not so important. Try out what happens if you just say, I'm getting a little bit frustrated here. Can we stop and look at some other things before we move ahead? Exactly. And I'd love to, with your permission, point out sort of one other little uh, sure. character in the, living around the table in that meeting. And I will call him or her blame. <laughs> because when all the tension that I was just speaking about is in the room and we don't talk about it, so many of us resort to blame because that feels like our way out. Mm-hmm. Well, if you hadn't said this, I wouldn't be feeling this way right now, mm. right? Isn't that so much easier for me to think, you know what, if Deepa hadn't said X, Y, Z, I wouldn't be feeling this tension right now. Even if I don't say that out loud, even if just inside myself, I'm thinking these people, they don't understand me. They're wrong. They don't know the best way to do this. I do. Woo. I am building such separation right now. There's a real high likelihood that that little blame character is going to jump right in front of me or inside of me because that's going to feel better for me. I'm, it's going to feel like I'm relieving that tension. Exactly. And I have a wonderful example. I remember we had a call before and I was running five minutes late. <laughs> and I remember I was feeling a bit of a tension in the car driving. And I was like, oh my God, I'm feeling terrible that I'm going to be five minutes late. And I know that Americans are like, duh, right on time. And I could have just said, well, there was traffic. It's just five minutes. I could have just blamed it on the traffic, not on you. And it takes uh, a bit of courage, like you just mentioned, to recognize that I am feeling a bit upset with myself for being mm -hmm. late. And therefore, I called you and said, hey, listen, I'm running late because I decided to go pick up my daughter. I don't like to be kept waiting, but when you reached out, and here's what you did that was so impactful for me. You didn't say anything like, I couldn't help it, there was traffic. You took the responsibility and said that you made a choice in that moment to pick up your daughter, and it ended up causing you to be five minutes late. And I wanted to bow down to you in that moment because to me that just, okay, I probably would have made the same choice, or I might have. And again, what permission you give to... Give the real reason that show the part of you where you made a choice and you didn't blame things that were outside of you. So here are three things that I'm hearing from you. First is recognize the feelings that you have inside of you. Mm -hmm. Notice them, label it for yourself or label it for the others. Mm -hmm. That's how we allow other people to come into our life by sharing our feelings. Yeah, just name them almost like they're clouds floating by. Oh, there goes tension. There goes anger. Right? And it's not good or bad. It just is. Exactly. And the other thing is if you have assumptions about emotions and feelings and the place of emotions and feelings, go test it out there. Yes. Yeah. And the third one, the most important point to remember is take responsibility for whatever part you're playing and be careful when you're blaming. Check what feelings are there before you get into blame. Yes. You know, Deepa, if we don't see ourselves as a part of the problem, not what we did wrong, but that we had a role in it, we cannot see ourselves as part of the solution. 
Excellent. Great. I know you've given a lot of ideas of how to create connection. And nevertheless, can you give one concrete tip of how we can create connection? Yeah. And I want to point all of us toward signaling connection. And by that, I mean signaling it through either spoken words, language, or through body language. So spoken language, and we've been doing both on this call, so we're seeing each other, right? Uh, You're nodding your head right now. You're signaling connection. I know you hear me right now simply by nodding your head. You might raise your eyebrows. (laughs) Now I know that you're curious or that what I said may not have made as much sense to you as it did to me. I mean, I always make sense to myself, (laughs) but what I said didn't make sense to you. And then we have little spoken cues. They might sound like, I see you. I care about you. I care about what you have to say. They might be as simple as, "Mm -hmm, tell me more. But I am signaling that I am with you. They are micro cues. They don't have to fill the space with brilliant things. No. And in fact, again, when we do that, now I'm not connected to you anymore. I'm connected to me. Can you share one final message with the audience before we close this episode? Yeah. So I want to say, while this all maybe sound complex, it's actually as simple as tapping into our childlike curiosity. Remember when you were five years old and you picked up everything, probably driving your parents crazy, like, what's this? How does it work? Let me take it apart. Right? So it's channeling that kind of curiosity to the person or people that you're with. So again, it's about their being, as you said before, and not their doing. Who are you? What makes you light up? What makes you joyous? And what has you feel a little bit afraid? Like, oh, wow. So it's not about interrogating you. What did you do? What did you say? It's about, wow, how did that make you feel? What was the impact on you? But you can hear that all my focus right now is on you and what's going on for you as a human being. Wonderful. Thanks very much for sharing that tip that definitely helps people make connection. Thanks very much, Kathy, for being here with us. Thank you for this opportunity. What fun. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to know more how you can meet your potential, check out www.meetmypotential.com. That's www.meetmypotential.com. Join us again. And until then, stay cool.